Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are hardwired to change the world. Hello, my name is Rahasia, and I'm going to be your host this evening. And I also write a column for the Lotus Guide magazine, and you can find pretty much everything that I do by typing in hashtag Rahasia Uncensored. Welcome to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show here on BBS Radio. And you might be asking, why spiritual? Well, the way I see it, we are misguided souls looking for the truth of who we are. You might be asking, why activist? Well, because we are living in transformative times when we need to take back our power as spiritual beings and take action in the world, not with violence, but by the evolution of spiritual consciousness and bringing what's going on in the world out into the light. Because like it or not, we are deep into everything from genetic modification to artificial intelligence, and at the same time watching a dysfunctional world collapse right before our very eyes and a global monetary system that is at the end of its run. Its days are coming to a close. So thank you for tuning in for the next hour and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, my name is Rahasia and my wife Dar and I, we published the Lotus Guide magazine and uh, I wrote an article that's going to show up in the next issue, the summer issue of Lotus Guide. And I know it's going to um, conflict with some people's perception of reality and what things are about. So I thought I would put out, uh, I'm going to read the article and have a commentary as we go. And I'm going to put this link in the article. So when people read the article, before they start complaining directly to me, hopefully they'll come to watch this and see the underlying meaning behind what I'm saying, especially when it comes to things like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the police department. These things can be so easily understood if we just have a more inclusive way of looking at things. So I'm just going to dive right into this and I'm going to read, then I'm going to comment where I think I should be commenting. The name of the article is, Are We Tiptoeing Towards Totalitarianism? Just asking. The reason I'm asking is because asking questions is a little less confrontational. This is my third attempt at writing an article. Why? because it's not possible to write about anything that's important without offending someone in today's world. We are all far too sensitive, and if we live in a world where dissenting and challenging ideas are no longer tolerated, what kind of world will this be? So I've come up with a workaround by simply asking questions so you can answer them for yourself. This is important because Answering questions for yourself instead of just letting somebody tell you what they think is a much better way at coming at something because it, it goes in from a deeper level and it pulls out uh, a complex things that's inside yourself and pulls them together for your answer. And that's my whole intent. It's not to tell you what to think. It's to, just to get you to think. So many people don't 
think anymore. They rely on other people to tell them what to do. But before I get started, I should let you know where I'm coming from so you don't think there's an agenda behind my questions, which there may sometimes be. So this is me. Don't be offended. It's simply my point of view, the way I see it. We are tiptoeing towards totalitarianism, as someone like David Icke would say. History is clear on this. Every great transition that happens where most of the population would go fighting and screaming happens in small increments. What happened in countries like Germany did not happen overnight. Uh, in Rome, it took Rome 400 years to collapse. Every revolution and civil war evolved one step at a time. And this is important to understand because it's like the frog in burning, boiling water. Uh, it's slow increments and it will never jump out. And I think we need to jump out of what's going on right now. Our, our, our society, environment, everything. Personally, I think it needs to collapse and we need to start over. But that's another article. So how does this happen? It's because to stop this slow progression takes someone to stand up and draw that arbitrary line in the sand, as Jordan Peterson points out, knowing they will be ridiculed by the sleeping masses, pointing out that things are not that much worse than they were yesterday. Then come their questions like, what's the big deal? It's just a few statues, or hey, it's just six square city blocks in Seattle, and we can rebuild the police department anyway. Or, and the madness is emboldened and continues to evolve. If we just continually go along with this, it's just going to get worse. Um, believe me, it's going to get worse. But we don't have to let it do that if we start thinking. Somehow, we are all losing sight of what's really going on and have become polarized against each other, black and white, Republican and Democrat, one religion against another, and that list goes on. This polarization is fueled by powerful individuals who could care less about what black people need or whether or not white people are racist. They want to divide us so we don't start talking about the real conflict, which is the super rich against the poor, which is a class war and involves all races, religions, and cultures. When we take an honest look at places like Skid Row in Los Angeles, we see it all. White, black, depressed, criminals, God-fearing, and atheist, educated, non-educated, every mental problem known to man, and the one thing they all have in common is poverty. Poor people. That's what the war is against. Leave no doubt about that. The other thing we all have in common is a shared spiritual consciousness that streams through our hearts and minds of every living being on this planet. Since the beginning of time, our major mistake has been to identify with our race, our religion, our nation. In other words, our ego constructs, more popularly called our personalities. There's nothing wrong with an ego as long as it's a servant and not doesn't become a master using me versus them to substantiate its reality. This is what we do to define ourselves. We group ourselves into groups and self-identify with the group. And I'm a Christian, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Republican, I'm a, we're not any of that. This is what we're identifying with. 
<laughs> and we better quit. I'm more than willing to admit that not being black, which is sort of obvious, uh, may limit my ability to see and experience a black person's frustration with the system, but it doesn't limit my ability to see the need to create a more equitable society for everyone. In the words of Eckhart Tolle, we need to so stop self-identifying with being the impermanent ripples on the surface of the ocean and open up to the true nature, which is a shared reality in that infinite ocean of awareness that we all share. And I think that's one thing that we're fighting right now in isolation. We, we are becoming so self-identified to that little self. And no matter how much they enforce isolation, look what happens. We keep getting together. It's part of our nature to be out and, and communicate and be in groups of people. We're social creatures. And it's, it's um, a sickness in itself to isolate. I mean, stop and think about this. If, if you've been put in prison for life and you do something wrong in prison, what do they do to punish you? I mean, you're already in prison for life. What are they going to do to punish you? They isolate you. That is the most extreme punishment they can come up with. And it's a good one, too. We would all do well to remember the words of Bertrand Russell. I would never die for my beliefs because I could be wrong. So everything I'm saying here, I, I hold loosely in the palm of my hands. I, I'm more than open for dialogue, debate. Using the tools of science and common sense as we journey into uncharted territory, we must always keep in mind the goal, which is to find the truth not to prove ourselves right and end up standing on false claims of righteousness and morality. It's time for mature minds and courageous hearts to stop going along to get along and step up and speak out. Otherwise, as Winston Churchill said, life is just one damn thing after another. And I'm sure we can see that by now. And remember the whole point to a question is to make us think and have dialogue to come up with answers. So ponder deeply on the questions which lie beyond our programmed minds. That's another thing about questions. If I tell you what to think, if I give you a, a prepackaged thought, there's a good chance that that has been programmed into me because I haven't questioned it. In this case, I do question things which gets me in a lot of trouble. This article is probably going to get me in a lot of trouble. But if we don't reach out and speak our truth, why speak at all? If I, if I have to reach out to the community and not be who I am and not say what's on my mind, what kind of a journalist am I? At that point, I'm just a liar. And that's what most people do in the news, the media, corporations, all of these watchdog organizations, CDC, the WHO, all of them, we don't trust any of them. They throw us a grain of truth once in a while. So we go, oh, okay, well, maybe they're telling us the truth now. And they are for a, a little second out of hours of dialogue. That's the reason I think the, this commentary is really important. Because once again, if, if you read this article and the issue that's coming out, 
I, I'm sure you would have some questions, some conflicts, some, I'm hoping you're watching this. Okay, so this is called questioning our answers. Not answering our questions, but questioning our answers, which is the subtitle of my podcast, Spiritual Activist on BBS Radio. Because um, I think we start learning when we question what we've been given. Because what we've been given isn't working. Nothing, nothing is working. First question, why is it that no one can question an organization like Black Lives Matter without being labeled a racist? Wouldn't it be less divisive to say Black Lives Matter also? And, and herein lies the problem. Even black people, I, I can see that they're not really understanding that they're part of a, a larger game on this chessboard of life and they're playing with chess masters that are out to divide us. Like Black Lives Matter, of course Black Lives Matter, but it's also true and more true that all lives matter because if only Black Lives Matter in a divisive sense, it, it's not going to work. I, I think the black people in this world are, are reaching out, screaming and hollering, hey, we want to be part, an equal part of an equitable society. That is asking for inclusiveness. You can't start doing that by creating an organization that divides you. You're talking if, if you're a black right now. If it's dividing you from the rest of humanity, it has to be Black Lives Matter also. Like Me Too. If the Me Too generation, at least that's inclusive. They're saying Me Too. They're not just saying me. I'm the only thing important. They're saying me too. Me also. I'm glad I'm doing this. You know, I, I, hope, I hope you're getting something out of this because it's important to go deeper into these questions and realize that where I'm actually coming from is an energetic level. And there's so much out there right now, like with the COVID-19, People aren't looking at the facts. The facts are masks are dangerous. We're rebreathing the very thing that we're saying is toxifying our atmosphere. And an odd thing has come up. You know, when, when you look at the first ship that had COVID-19 out of the, what, I don't know, 15, 1,700 people, three people died. That is a true representative sample of the dangerous of the virus because it went through the whole ship. Three people died. That's a tiny, tiny, but the way we do statistics, the way we do testing and everything else, and the, the fact that they changed, if you die from COVID-19 is one thing, but when they started adding, they died with COVID-19, that means they could have gotten hit by a bus but they had COVID-19. That gets put over in the statistics of the people that died from COVID-19. A lot of trickiness going on here. Second question. Why are people like Candace Owens and one of the founding members of the Black Panthers warning us about the direction organizations like Black Lives Matter are taking Black people and the rest of us for that matter? I mean, the Black Panthers, they were pretty violent, militant people. And for one of the co-founders of that organization to go, hey, whoa, 
we're, we're headed down a really dangerous path of segregation and division for blacks against whites. And I, I don't really get into it here, but follow the money, which has always been the thing you should do. Where's the money coming from for Black Lives Matter? It's coming from a nonprofit. Where does that money come from? It's coming from another nonprofit, which is the first sign that something sneaky is going on here. And all directions are pointing right now to George Soros. So, and, and listen to George Soros. His whole plan is to completely fragment and tear down the American way of life. So if that money stream is coming in to the Black Panthers, that agenda has to be coming in too. And also keep in mind that, and if you're in the Black Lives Matter, you might be interested to know that a small fraction of the money that's being donated to your organization is actually getting to you. So that's something to consider too. Third question, why is it that the Antifa, anti-fascist movement is at their very core acting like fascist? And why am I a fascist for questioning that? I guess people just don't read history. Uh, and if they do, they just discount it or something. Anti-fascista, that's directly out of Nazi Germany. And they were the most fascist group in Germany at the time. And they used the same playbook with Antifa. I don't know. I just... It's difficult sometimes when you're writing anything in today's world because you're, you're trying to generalize it enough to where people that are ill-informed, disinformed, misinformed, uneducated can understand what you're talking about. And at the same time, not patronize people on the other end that's going, duh, well, of course, you know, you're not even writing about something new. But if you try to satisfy everybody, you end up satisfying nobody. So I, I am forced to talk to the people sitting on the fence. The ones over there, the couch potatoes that are just numbed and dumbed out watching MSNBC and CNN and even Fox. And they're not really reaching out to the alternative media and looking at really what doctors and researchers are saying on a massive level. Over 2,000 doctors have spoke up about COVID-19 and Howard, the reaction has been way over the top, which is another question. Why is that? Okay. Is systematic racism, this is question four, is systematic racism truly an overwhelming problem in America or is it being fueled by the media that further separates us by color? And if so, why? Now this question came up with Chief Reinbold. I, uh, interviewed the uh, Paradise Police Chief here in California. And I asked him about this. And, and it, it's so true. Systemic racism. I mean, there, there are cops in law enforcement that they shouldn't even be on the street, let alone have a license and carry a gun. That's a given. We all know that. You know, but we don't see the vast majority of law enforcement that is out there helping people. I mean, really help and keeping us safe. And now we want to defund them. I can see 
moving some of those funds over into mental health. But believe me, I, I worked in a, as a psychiatric technician, I worked in a mental health hospital, Tascadero for a while, Norwalk for a while. Believe me, if, if the people I worked with, if they had a gun and were at home, I would not want to go to their home to deal with them, even though I have more mental health experience than maybe law enforcement's at that time. But law enforcement in today's age, they're, they're being better educated. Um, so they would have a little bit better time at doing that. I can see sending a mental health person out there with them to try to defuse the situation and law officer could stand in the background, but be there because <laughs> trust me, there's a reason they call crazy, crazy. It's so unpredictable. And there's a lot of people out there that's not getting their medications right now. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad because sometimes that missing molecule can make a big difference in a person's mental stability. And ever since Reagan, we've sucked all the money out of the mental health uh, organizations and hospitals and everything else. So I, I don't think systemic racism is rampant through our society. I think it's fueled by the media uh, for political agendas. Let's face it, it happens every time right before an election. And think about this too. Every election, we never vote for the person that we really, really love. We usually vote against the other person we hate because they're the lesser of the evils. Myself, I, I put a, uh, a little video, YouTube on Facebook, which I'll, I'll never do again because believe me, people on Facebook, the social media people there are just, and it's loaded with trolls. I, I put a little YouTube there of Bruce Lipton saying, why we voted in Trump. Out of 97 comments, only one person understood what he was saying, which was basically, and it's what I've been saying. I mean, it's, it's a shame that we have that choice, but I, I think he was the better choice because he's the monkey wrench we threw into the machinery. We were all tired of politicians. We don't want them anymore. They all lie. Most politicians, I have gone to law school. Think about this. We send a person to law school to do what? Be a professional liar. They go into court and they go right up to the boundaries of what might be legal and illegal to say as far as being a lie. And they've learned how to make that barrier transparent and stand on legal ground and lie. And they do it under the guise of protecting their client because their client deserves the best possible defense. Well, the best possible defense isn't a bunch of lies, but that's where we are. Now we get those people and we put them into Congress and to, as representatives, and we've taught them how to debate. Any debate, this is part of their education, is putting them on a debate team and say, okay, today you're gonna to debate the pros, tomorrow you're gonna to debate the cons. So they get up there and they learn how to shuffle and dance with the truth and manipulate it and fine tune it to where somebody that's I don't want to get degrading or patronizing here, but for somebody who simply doesn't think for themselves, 
and is allowing that information to come in, they go, oh yeah, I, I can see the point. Yeah, this is right. But then they'll tune into the other thing and tomorrow they'll change their mind, not realizing that their mind was changed for them. Okay. Fifth question. Why is it that in cities like Seattle, Portland, New York, Tampa, and others, that the police are given a stand down order when it comes to protests that are obviously not peaceful. And as we now know, have hired professional agitators to destroy property and intimidate citizens. <coughs> Excuse me, that's not COVID-19. Um, I recently interviewed Paradise Police Chief Reinbold and played one of the many 9-11 calls from citizens who were in need of law enforcement and were told they had orders to stand down and to call the city hall with any concerns. The call I played was of a mother in her car with her baby and the protesters were jumping on her car and wanting her to get out. They were trying to break the windows and everything. And she was talking to the 911 operator and saying, look, I, I can't drive forward because they're on my car. They're in front of me. I can't drive backwards. I need to get out of here. I need help. And the 911 operator kept saying, no, this is a sanctioned event. You can find it on YouTube or I'll probably post it too. <clears throat> There's so many 911 calls, like Scottsdale, Arizona. There was people calling 911 all evening long and saying, hey, there's no law enforcement out here. They're, they took millions of dollars when they broke into that really nice mall, damaged beyond belief. And 911 operator kept saying, no, there are police officers there. It's probably because there's so many uh, protesters, you're not seeing them. I think anyone with a high level of two-digit IQ can tell a police officer from a rioter. I mean, you know, police officers have shields and badges and there was no police officers there. They let that happen. Why did they let it happen? This is the question. I'm not going to tell you, but you can figure it out. Now this, um, this is a little comment that I put in here. Now, if we truly want to talk about systemic problems, I would say we need to take a look at things like confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance in our society that has allowed social engineering on a level that most people can't even imagine. Once we have a point of view of our perception of reality, or if the new perception is too far beyond the view we hold, we tend to mentally and emotionally cancel that information out. So let's continue with some more questions. I wrote a book called To Believe or Not to Believe, The Social and Neurological Consequences of Belief Systems. I just about said, believe me. Trust me, there is a lot going on mentally when we grab hold of a belief that was given to us by a priest, a preacher, a parent, a professor, anything that was given to us and we accept it as truth without thinking it out. I mean, I started thinking things out like this when I was, was like six years old. A uh, question that came up in Sunday school, I lived in uh, West by God, Virginia. A uh, question that came up in Sunday school was when I asked the Sunday school teacher, um, how big is this boat? Because we're putting all these animals and people and everything on, on this. It has to be a pretty big boat. And how did they get all the 
insects and everything. They kicked me out. They, they told my parents. And I also wanted to know why the Sunday before, God was really, really happy with us. He is well, he's beyond happy with the human being. Then the next Sunday, I come in and he tried to drown us all. I mean, for a six-year-old, this I mean, it seems like it makes sense to ask, well, wait, you know, what, what happened during that last week? But yeah, I guess I was just too young for the Sunday school class. Um, sixth question. Why is it that so many people still don't believe in chemtrails when even the government admits to programs like solar radiation reflection and a long list of geoengineering programs that's been going on for decades? And you can visit www chicoskywatch.org or geoengineeringwatch.org for more information on that. You know, I, I remember this really nice little old lady. She's probably 75, 78. That doesn't seem to, so old to me now at 72. But she asked me uh, when I was out because we just put out a, an issue. God, this has been back in, I think, 2012 with a, a chemtrails on the front. And um, I, I didn't factor in the fact that most people don't look up. But she came up to me and she says, you know, I don't believe in chemtrails. I said, well, you do know that chemtrails is not a religion. This isn't something you believe or disbelieve in. You know, this is based upon hard facts. And I said, look up there right now. What, what do you see? She says, well, that's contrails i said no it's not i said think about when you were as a kid did they leave streaks in the sky that expanded and, and got her to talking about it and got her to thinking and then about oh let's say two weeks later she emailed me she said oh my god you know i had no idea and, and that started her on a, a long journey watching uh, a plain truth about the 9-11 towers not being the official story and Morgellons disease, and it, it totally revitalized her whole outlook because we broke down that barrier of hanging on to a belief that's unsubstantiated with any facts whatsoever. Seventh question. Um, why is it that in this day and age, with hundreds of thousands of eyewitness accounts, photos, and videos, and even the Air, United States Air Force officially admitting that there are unidentified flying objects and phenomena flying around in our atmosphere that 30% of the population flatly denies even the possibility that we are not alone. And I, I mentioned to read Leslie Keen who wrote uh, UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record. Why is that 30% of the United States don't believe, back to that word believe, uh, because that's all you can do when you, when you have no facts and you haven't read any of the evidence, you haven't watched any of the videos, or you have to sort of believe that there's only you in the whole universe, which is synonymous with looking at, there's more, way more stars in the known universe than there are grains of sand on every beach on the planet Earth. That would be like saying that we went to, Malaysia, walked down the beach, picked up one grain of sand, 
and went, oh my God, there's microbes on this and there's no microbes on any of the other grains of sand on the whole planet. This is strange. It's not strange. It's non-existent. Life does not exist in isolation like that. Those microbes had to come from somewhere and be part of a larger organism or a larger structure. My God. <sighs> Eighth question. Why is it that with a mountain of evidence piling up almost daily to the contrary, people still cling to things like evolutionary theory as the end-all theory of homo sapiens sapiens? Watch my interviews with people like Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton where they are clear about the fact that our human genome at some time in the distant past was genetically altered in such a way that it would never happen in nature and could only happen in laboratory situation as far as what we know now. Read books like Michael Tellinger's Slave Species of the Gods and a long list of other books that are factually based around this subject. When I was talking to uh, Greg Braden, I said, Greg, and, and you can watch this on our YouTube channel too. And he was also on BBS radio and spiritual activist. Greg, how do you know that our genome, our genetic structure has been altered thousands of years ago? He says, it, it's so simple because being a primate, we used to have 48 chromosomes. Well, somewhere along the line, four of those chromosomes were taken apart, spliced together, and the telomeres were removed from the ends so they could junction together, and they overlapped, and anything that was redundant systems, redundant information was switched off. And that's the reason we went from 48 to 46 chromosomes. We went suddenly there but we went because we took four and made them into two. And that only happens in a lab. Nature's not going to do that, especially, especially suddenly. I mean, it, it's, it's so ridiculous. And there's a mountain of evidence. Listen to Bruce Lipton on this subject. I mean, it, it's incredible what people in the lab knows and what people in academic societies don't know. You know, I remember Bruce telling me one time that most biology books are at least 20 years behind time. And we're, we're teaching the doctors this. Good heavens. I, I get a little bit excited about this because me, life is an adventure. And to question these things means that we're alive. Okay, ninth question. Why is it that myself and many other podcasters can get deplatformed for even bringing up the possibility that the global shutdown regarding COVID-19 virus was overkill? Remember, I'm not saying it was, but it was justified, but was it justified to close down the entire global financial market? But why can't we even publicly ask this question? The answer to this will surprise you. And I, I don't really tell people to answer this. You, you need to go into it and figure this out for yourself. That there are, believe it or not, there's bigger things in life than you. There's bigger organizations than you. And most of the ones that have control over you are very, very secret. And um, I'll, I'll let you go into that. 
because um, listen, listen to Dr. Zach Bush talk about this, especially if, if, you, if you YouTube 5Q means five questions with Dr. Zach Bush and Sasha Stone. Listen to that interview where he talks about COVID-19 and, and the importance of virus and how important it is to run through the population. The only thing, my hesitancy there is that we, we have really morons working in level four labs right now that are militarizing viruses. I, I, I am very careful when I'm out still. I, I'm, I'm not a complete idiot when it comes to this because there is the possibility that this has been militarized and no one wants to talk about that. And I'm not supposed to talk about it either. It's only a matter of time, I guess, because I'm not that popular, which in this case is probably pretty good. Um, but if I was super popular and, and had, I, I think I have like 4,000 people on YouTube, which is, sounds like a lot, but it's not. Uh, 4,000 people on Facebook, which I don't even hardly use Facebook anymore. It's too much hassle. There's too many trolls. But if I had millions, I would be deplatformed. So it's only a matter of time if this keeps going. I don't think it's going to keep going because there's too many of us talking about this. I mean, look at you. You're listening to it. At least you're not turning it off, hopefully. But if you did, you know, it doesn't matter anyway because you didn't hear that. Okay. Uh, here's a simple one. Question 11, uh, 10. Why are so many people who truly think that the Federal Reserve is federal and they have a reserve of wealth when in reality it's governed by elite global families and their wealth is the debt they hold on all of us? You know, and I say, don't even get me started on this one. I mean, it's, it's such a no-brainer. My God, I, I, I have a hard time talking to lots of people at once that it's a general audience because like I say, it's hard to get patronizing sometimes and it's hard to be in the middle where both sides can hear you. So these, these are the people on the fence and hopefully you're on the fence or in the choir because if, if you're not, you haven't got this far and you probably don't read my magazine anyway. So 11th question. Why is it that in many cities you can't be in groups of more than 10 people and have to stay six feet apart and usually wear a mask? And at the same time, it's not only okay, but sanctioned in many cities for hundreds, sometimes thousands of people to protest, riot in the streets, break into stores and terrorize citizens while screaming and shouting, spreading the COVID-19 virus. Uh, this is the reason they say that churches shouldn't meet because the choir, when you're singing, you're spraying it. We let them go into crowds and scream right into the faces of our law enforcement and citizens and, and innocent protesters. Like there's a lot of protests going on with uh, Black Lives Matter that they have a, a valid point. Hey, wake up. We want to be part of this. But they're in these groups with violent rioters and protesters and agitators that are getting paid $200 a day, by the way. And all this stuff, if you do your research, you can see it. It's online. It's on their websites and everything else. I just don't have the time or patience to completely educate everybody on every single point about every single thing at every single minute. So are we living in a world that has gone completely insane? 
And some of us are waking up to the ramifications of hanging on to lies, deception, and the fact that we have all been socially engineered to keep us asleep and divided and accept the new normal. If this is the new normal, we are in deep trouble. When George, when George Floyd was murdered, I'm pretty sure everyone on the planet would agree that this was an intolerable act and it could have been the first truly unifying moment in our history. And honest talks and actions were well on the way for creating a more equitable society through a shared dialogue. Then what happened? Then came peaceful protests to make us all aware of profiling and the inequities in our society, which needs to be uh, looked into and put light on. But then came the not so peaceful protests, which became violent and turned into riots with what we now know were fueled by professional agitators. Do you honestly think this wasn't by design? The black race has suffered inequality since the beginning of time, and this can be healed if we don't let agendas and politics enter into it. Things have changed starting now. Things have changed starting now with calm and deliberate solutions. Things can change now. Like putting plaques at the bases of statues, pointing out the good and the bad of our historical figures so future generations can learn from history and not repeat it. Well, this is important. This is the perfect, perfect way to teach new generations growing up in society what is wrong with some of our founding fathers what is wrong with christopher columbus you know not just the the pre-programmed dialogue that was educated and indoctrinated into us but these people were despicable on many many levels but tearing down their statues and erasing that from history is not going to allow us to learn from it and if we don't learn from history, what do we do? We know the answer to that so well, but yet we constantly forget it. Here's my last question. What happens when you erase the past, such as tearing down statues? I'll give you the answer to this one. It comes from George Orwell's book, 1984, which most people have never read. They, they just get little bits and pieces out of it, but this is from his book. If you can erase the past, you can rewrite it. Then you can control the present. If you can control the present, you can direct everyone into a specific future, one tiptoe at a time. This is what's really going on with taking down statues and erasing our past. They want to rewrite our history, not only so they can take control of the present and redirect the future, but if people don't learn from the past, if they don't learn from the brown shirts and the Nazis in Nazi Germany, they can repeat that again. If we don't learn from the anti-fascista in Germany, we can repeat that again with the anti-fascist. If we don't learn from what we've learned hard way, from slavery, we can keep on repeating that. Do you know slavery is more prominent now than ever in the history of the world? And it has very little to do with black people. It has more to do with white women and children and, and even men on, on a global level. And 
if you even bring up the word pedophile, it's getting a little better now. When I, when I used to bring up the word pedophile, people would cringe and they, they don't want to hear it because I remember this, again, she was an elderly lady. Respect for the elderly people. I don't mean to offend anybody elderly, elderly because I'm elderly too. But uh, I brought up uh, pedophiles and sex trafficking at a dinner table. And she said, oh, 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 no, stop, stop. I, I don't want to even think about this. It makes me feel too uncomfortable. And I said, okay, ma'am, I, I understand what you're saying. It makes you feel emotionally uncomfortable. But just realize what you're actually saying. Because what you're actually saying is that your emotional comfort is worth more to you than the lives of millions of children all over the planet that are being sexually abused. Now, if you can live with that, I, I can leave you in peace and just, I just know what kind of a person you are, if you can live with that. But I suggest you really think about that. Is your emotional comfort zone worth not talking about this subject, knowing that the only thing that's going to start uncovering this is people dialoguing and communicating and telling their friends what's happening. She was very quiet at that point. I don't know if that made an impression or made an enemy. I, but at this point, you know what? I don't care. I, I, I hate to say that I don't care what you think about me, but I honestly don't. I, I, you get a pretty thick skin and uh, I've, I've noticed people that have a contrary belief to mine. If I, if I accept it and I really think about what they're talking about, oftentimes they, they do have a point and it changes the way I believe. But the ones that have a belief and will not move from that and have a, a negative outlook on me, I, I, I can clearly see, and it's not only me, it's every other person, sometimes even their friends. It's their problem their problem, not my problem. So I hope this helps anybody out that read this article in the next issue, because uh, it's so easy to be called a racist or a fascist or any other number of labels and not realizing that you're part of the social engineering that's going on to divide us. And I think if we look deep into this COVID-19 thing, we will see that underneath it, I mean, we know now that the people that have, are dying of COVID-19 have high levels of glyphosate and live in areas with really poor air quality. It, it was no accident that it was in Wuhan so bad. Look at their air quality. Look at what they eat. I mean, but they don't want to talk about this because this brings in the petrochemical people one of the big, big financiers of our politicians. But what happens if we start realizing that something as simple as glyphosate in our diet is, and there's, there's so much to learn from this. And if you watch that interview with uh, Dr. Zach Bush, he explains the, the internal dynamics and the research behind this that clearly points out that glyphosate in our diet is responsible for a lot of deaths that we aren't contributing to glyphosate. What are they spraying us with? 
millions of metric tons of toxic poisons. In the 50s, they started putting fluoride in our water. Go to the Ace Hardware, go to the hardware store and pick up a box of rat poison. Look at the main ingredient. It's fluoride. They're, they're, they've been putting rat poison in our water. And for a number of reasons. One, they know now that, or we know now, that it calcifies your pineal gland, which if we have any kind of an antenna that opens up to higher vibrations, higher consciousness, where that's where we're going to find the solutions too, by the way. It doesn't happen, possibly, if the pineal gland is calcified. And this is rampant through our society. Anybody that does brain scans knows to look for that calcified pineal gland. And it should be right in the center of your head. If it's pushed one way or another, that's indicating that there might be a tumor on one side or another of your brain. Okay, I think that'll do it for today. Uh, this was more than what I expected. And I thank you for watching and, and staying with me on this because it's important that we all start communicating and realizing that anything, any organization that is trying to separate you from the others, I'm telling you, there's, a, there's a, an agenda behind it. Whether it's Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, it has to be Black Lives Matter too, because we, we have to break down these barriers. And eventually we will live in a planet with no national boundaries. I don't think that mentally and emotionally we're there yet, but that's where we're headed. We're, we're headed towards no boundaries. And that would be a glorious day. And we might be right on the verge. We've been living in the third and fourth dimension. We're right on the verge of that energetic, and we're talking about energy fields right now. We're talking about this energetic fifth dimension rippling into individuals and small groups of people that are waking up to this whole other way of being, of living, of being and embracing all of us, black, white, yellow, brown, purple, it doesn't matter. Embracing all of humanity and realizing we're on this little moat of dust suspended out into this amazingly huge universe. When I was in, when I was in school, there was only one galaxy. And we thought this would, okay, a few years later, they figured out, oh my God, there's hundreds. Oh, no, there's thousands. Well, now they know that there's at least 2 trillion other galaxies. We're seeing further and further and further over the event horizon. And for all we know, it might be infinite. Um, or it might be our whole universe could be a tiny cell inside of a larger organism of an infinite ocean of cells. Um, what? I think I, I talked with this with Bruce Lipton once, and this gets into an interesting uh, concept about the fact that we're just, we're just beginning. Like, I'm going to show you one thing and then, and then I'll leave. Let's pretend like this is our total reality. This is it. If, if there is such a thing, it might be infant, but let's say this is totally it. Okay, I'm going to tear off 5% of it because 95% of our reality is dark energy and dark matter. But we don't know anything about it except the gravitational 
influences that it holds out there. And we can see that 95% of everything that we see, we don't know anything about it. This is what we know about, this 5%. Now, if we get this 5% and the electromagnetic scale is 0.05% of everything we know of this, there's probably even more, but even that, 0.05%. If we're going to take out the light spectrum and a little bit on each side of it, that, I can't even tear it that small. But that is what we're observing of the 5%. Now, if you turn it this way and realize that we're in a, a multi-dimensional universe, at least 10, probably 11 dimensions, and we tear off nine of those dimensions, we're getting down to this. And the truth be told, if I was doing this properly, you wouldn't even see this. This is tiny, tiny, tiny. This is what we're basing all of our conclusions on. And we're basing our conclusions saying we know what this is and what's happening out there. A good scientist would never do that. But popular people out here in the world, academia, this is what they do. This is what we know about. Now you take all the information that we're getting from this tiny, tiny piece, and it's being filtered through our confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance and everything else, I, it gets so small that it's ridiculous to even begin to say that I've come to a conclusion about this. We, we, we are at the very beginning of an adventurous journey through space and time and figuring out who we are as human beings. And if, if you're a black person watching this, I hope this really uh, helps you understand where I'm coming from. Because w truly, when I meet a black person, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. I, I, I meet the person. When I meet a white person, I, I don't, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. Chinese, Japanese, it doesn't matter. Eventually, my mind gets to that. But the most important thing is I'm meeting another sentient human being with a spiritual consciousness that is flowing through my mind and theirs. So... Have a nice day, and thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. Much appreciated. Thank you. Oh, and you can read this article online. Uh, eventually, I'll get it there. And like I say, it'll be in the next issue of Lotus Guide, which is, and you can, we have a flip magazine too, lotusguide.com. You go there, you can read the magazine on your iPods or iPads or iWhatevers. So uh, we're trying to move more into the digital realm. So again, Rahasia, Rahasia Uncensored. If you do hashtag Rahasia Uncensored, you can pull up a lot of my stuff. Thank you so much and have a nice day and uh, take a deep breath.